0: Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. And with that, let's get to the show. And uh, before we get to that, I'm going to answer your questions. So why don't we start there? Let's answer your questions. Okay. So the first question I have comes from Jeffrey Byers. And Jeffrey writes great instruction video why don't you radius the underside of the bridge plate well that's a good question so it actually doesn't matter too much either way you can radius the underside of the bridge plate along with all the other braces honestly it's going to put almost no radius on that little thin flexible piece anyway but here's the thing you really don't need to do it. The radius thing is for braces. Braces are what pull the plate into the radius that it has. Anything that is a graft rather than a brace, and the bridge plate is basically a graft, okay? It works just like the fretboard graft does, where it's thin and pliable, or at least it should be, to the point where when you glue it down, it simply conforms to the shape of the top rather than trying to force the top against its will into its own uh, shape, right? That's what the braces do. The braces are stout. They have meat behind them and they're able to pull the top into the radius. Uh, Now, with that said, if you happen to be using very thick, you know, if before you glue down your bridge plate you just kind of flex it and you notice, hey, this isn't really flexible. This is like a chunky piece of wood. One that might be telling you the wood you're using is too thick and you should thin it down before you glue it down. Uh, although some people just use thicker plates of wood and that's fine. In that case, yeah, sure, you could radius it like everything else. Uh, honestly, again, I don't think it'll make a huge difference just simply because the plate doesn't cover a large length, so it doesn't. Uh, when you sand it, you'll notice that you're not really putting much of a radius into it at all. Uh, but you could also look at it as, hey, I just need to use thinner stock for the bridge plate. But anyway, if the stock is thin enough, I'm going to take these silly goggles off, I'm not using them right now. If the stock is thin enough, you can, uh, there's no reason to radius it. But also if you did radius it, you didn't. you shouldn't have caused any problems it's fine. Next question. Okay, this one's from the Luthier's Apprentice. Who's Apprentice? I'd like to know. Uh, It's a question for you. The question for me is Port Orford Cedar. Could this wood be used to make the neck for a medium scale, approximately 32 inch, electric base? As you know, electric bases are notorious for headstock dive. A lighter wood in the neck would be a plus. Can you recommend a supplier? Uh, Yes. So, yes, you can use Port Orford Cedar for an electric base. It is uh, similar to Honduran Mahogany, and of course you can use Honduran Mahogany for an electric base. It has a really good uh, stiffness-to-weight ratio, and it's very stable. So I don't see why, I say yes, you can use it, but um, sort of speculating here, I just don't see why you couldn't use Port Orford Cedar. Uh, but if some bass builders out there have a different take on it, that's totally fine. But I would say, yeah, it, it, if it's a, you know, it's a great wood for guitars, it should be a great wood for an electric bass. I know the requirements as far as the tension that's on the neck are different. But still, there are only so many woods, there's only a small handful of them that have that world-class stiffness to weight ratio, like Honduran Mahogany does, and Port Orford Cedar. Okay, so, oh, uh, he asked about a supplier. I just got, uh, every time I've used Port Orford Cedar, which is twice now, LMI, Luthiers Mercantile International, a lot of you guys are already very familiar with them. I have noticed that Port Orford Cedar, as neck blanks, is somewhat rare and hard to find, so Luthier's Mercantile tends to have it most of the time, I haven't really seen it anywhere else. Okay, Russell Scott writes, one thing I've had problems with is using a random orbital on the top for two reasons. One, it can leave very small swirls on the wood that suddenly show when you apply finish. And two, it wears down the wood in the rosette at a different pace to the cedar tops, so you can end up with dips in the surface. I get around it now by doing it by hand with wooden blocks, which is to say the least bit—it's a tad tedious. How come you don't have the same issues? Does you uh, do do does your sander have a very solid face? What is it? Thanks. Great video as always. Well. Uh, I want to address the last thing you said about the solid face if you're having serious problems with um, swirl marks and just deep grit scratches that are say deeper than the um, grade of grit that you're using or they seem like they're excessively deep then you might have some issue with the you, you know using cheap economical sanders with cheap pads or cheap sandpaper as well that clogs easily, um, or maybe you're just not changing it enough or something like that. That's all there. Now, I will say though, that what I do is actually similar, but maybe not to the same scale as what you're talking about that you do. So, I just use the random orbital sander at the higher grits. At, uh, I take it down to 120, and everything, I, everything gets finished then by hand with 220 grit on a uh, hard block and a soft block. I I like to use both the hard block and the soft block um, to really get into uh, all the low spots and just everywhere. And it evens out things like you said, with the different densities of wood like you might have in the rosette as compared to the soft wood of the top. The hand sanding does a better job at dealing with those issues than the random orbital sander, as you pointed out. So what I recommend and what I do is I still use the random orbital sander, but then finish up with the 220 grit. And it doesn't, it's not excessively tedious at that point. If when you switch to the 220 grit, you still feel like you're just spending hours and hours sanding to get rid of those 120 grit marks, Well, then those 120 grit marks probably aren't 120. You probably do have some issue with, um, uh, bad sandpaper or, uh, a unflat sanding pad or something like that. Issues that would come about from having, um, a problem with the sander itself, a cheap sander or something like that. So I would kind of look at all those things, but, um if all those things are fine you might want to try just using the random orbital to 120 and then hand sanding with 220. okay that's what i do i hope it helps all right okay this one's cool so in a recent video it was actually one of the seven part series that i did on building guitar number 85 if you haven't seen that check it out it was really great series. Uh, It's a really great build, and there's a lot in those videos that I did that you can take and use in your own building. So if you watch through that whole series, uh, I I think I did a really good job on it. So check that out. It's called Guitar Number 85, Full Build with Commentary. Okay? You just look that up. Anyway, within that series, I uh ask the question to you guys uh i before i installed the truss rod i put some kitchen and bathroom caulk in the truss rod channel and i wanted to throw it out to the luthiers out there to see if they could either guess or if they already knew why i would do such a weird thing as to put kitchen and bathroom caulk in my truss rod channel and i got many people uh several maybe five or six that all got the correct answer here, but I'm just gonna read one of them. Okay, so B Power uh, wrote, great video, Eric, I really enjoyed this one. Great idea to fit the bridge to the soundboard. I may have to do that on the next build. Uh, So what he's talking about there is simply sanding the radius that's on the top, putting sandpaper right on that top, sticking it to the top, and then sanding your bridge in place To get a perfect mating between the bridge and the top. Moving on. I assume the caulk, the kitchen and bathroom caulk, is to prevent any vibrations and since it is kitchen and bathroom caulk, it stays rubberized and doesn't restrict the movement of the truss rod. That is correct. So that is exactly why I use the kitchen and bathroom caulk in there. Um, it's not my original idea honestly i don't remember exactly where i picked that up but i've been doing it for a long time and it prevents the somewhat rare instance of getting a ghost vibration from the metal truss rod that's embedded in that channel because that truss rod is only fixed at two points at the two nut ends and in the center of that truss rod because it's adjustable It's meant to be adjustable. It's actually loose. You have a loose piece of metal inside your guitar neck. So that's just a prime candidate for something like a ghost vibration. So we can prevent that by putting a nice little cushiony pillow along the bottom of that channel. And that would be that rubberized coating of kitchen and bathroom caulk. So yeah, great answer. Great answer. Everyone else who answered that correctly, good job. Okay, uh, we don't need to do that one. Okay, Jerry Koyman writes, great work. How did you make these radius dishes? Um, so my radius dishes, I don't make them. And I don't really recommend that you make them either. I just buy them. So they're not terribly expensive and really the best way to make a radius dish is with a CNC machine which I don't have, and a lot of you don't have, but some of you do, so that might be a fun project for you. So I just buy them. I think it makes sense. If you... I have seen one very creative way of making radius dishes without the use of CNC machine. Actually, there's two, but I'll I'll start with the one. And that's to... If you can picture this, um, you have a big flat board, and you put a variety of spacers on that board. Uh, you, instead of calling them spacers, I'm gonna call them shims, okay? This will make more sense. You cut these, you thickness these shims to different thicknesses based on the radius that you want. You put the thinnest one in the dead center and then the next size of shim, you make a concentric ring around that center shim so it's a little bit taller and then another concentric ring of the next highest one, another concentric ring. And in the end, after you get all those concentric rings of ever higher shims, after you glue all those down, you then glue down a sheet of say eighth inch plywood. So nice flexible plywood, kind of like a guitar top is flexible. You glue that down to all those shims and it creates a dish. Now, of course, there's a lot of special math you have to figure out there in order to uh, know exactly where to put the shims and how much to thickness the shims. If you enjoyed this and you learned something here, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you are enjoying this on at the moment. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at or. You can register for a hands-on guitar building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania. Bye for now.